The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 4, Chapter 2. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda, describes how the anxieties of Saint Joseph increased, and how he resolved to leave his spouse, and he betakes himself to prayer on this account. 388. In his tormenting doubts the most upright heart of Saint Joseph sometimes prudently tried to find relief and ease for his sorrow, by reasoning for himself and persuading himself that the pregnancy of his spouse was as yet doubtful. But this self-deception vanished more and more each day on account of the increasing evidence of that state in the Most Holy Virgin. As this vain and fleeting consolation failed him more and more, and finally changed into complete conviction as her pregnancy advanced, the glorious saint found no haven of refuge in his anxieties. In the meanwhile the heavenly princess grew in loveliness and in perfect freedom from all bodily failings. Her charming beauty healthfulness and gracefulness visibly increased before his eyes. All this only nourished the anxieties and the torments of his most chaste love, so that his interior was involved by the turbulent waves of his loving sorrow in indescribable confusion, and he was finally stranded on the shores of a sea of grief, by the overpowering evidence of his senses in regard to the pregnancy of Mary. Although his spirit was always conformed to the will of God, yet his flesh and his weakness felt the excess of his interior trouble, which at last reached such a point that he knew not any more which way to turn. The strength of his body was broken and banished away, not by a definite disease, but in weakness and emaciation. These effects of his profound sorrow and melancholy became openly visible in his countenance. Moreover, as he suffered all this alone without seeking relief or lessening his sorrow by communication with others, as is customary with the afflicted, his suffering grew to be so much the more serious and incurable. 389. In the meanwhile the sorrow which filled the heart of the Most Holy Mary was equally great. Yet although her sorrow exceeded all bounds, the capacity of her generous and magnanimous soul was much greater and therefore she could conceal her grief more completely, and occupy her faculties in the loving care of Saint Joseph her spouse. Her sorrow therefore only incited her to attend so much the more devotedly to his health and comfort. Nevertheless, as the inviolable rule of the actions of the most prudent queen was to perform all in the fullness of wisdom and perfection, she continued to conceal the mystery about the disclosure of which she had received no command. Though she alone could relieve her spouse by an explanation, she withheld it in reverence and faithfulness due to the sacrament of the heavenly king. Tobit 12:7. As far as she herself was concerned, she exerted her utmost powers, she spoke to him about his health, she asked what she could do to serve him and afford him help in the weakness which so mastered him. She urged him to take some rest and recreation, since it was a duty to yield to necessity and repair the weakened strength, in order to be able to work for the Lord afterward. Saint Joseph observed all the actions of his heavenly spouse, and pondering over such virtue and discretion and feeling the effects of her intercourse and presence he said, Is it possible that a woman of such habits and in whom such graces of the Lord are manifest can bring such affliction over me? How can this prudence and holiness agree with these open signs of her infidelity to God and to me, who love her so much? 
If I conclude to send her away or to leave her, I lose her most loving company and all my comfort my home and my tranquility. What blessing equal to her can I find if I withdraw from her? What consolation, if this one fails? But all this weighs less than the infamy connected with this sad misfortune, and that I should come to be looked upon as her accomplice in crime. That this event remain concealed is not possible, since time will reveal all, even if I strive now to hide it. To pass as the author of this pregnancy will be a vile deceit and a blotch on my good name and conscience. I cannot recognize it as caused by me, nor can I ascribe it to any other source known to me. Therefore, what am I to do in this dire stress? The least evil will be to absent myself and leave my house before her delivery comes upon her. For then I would be still more confused and afflicted. I would then be obliged to live in my own house with a child not my own, without being able to find any outlet or expedient. 390. The Princess of Heaven, becoming aware of the resolve of her spouse Saint Joseph to leave her and remove himself, turned in great sorrow to her holy angels and said to them, Blessed spirits and ministers of the highest King, who raised you to felicity which you enjoy, and by his kind providence accompany me as his faithful servants and as my guardians. I beseech you my friends, to present before God's clemency the afflictions of my spouse Joseph. Beseech the Lord to look upon him and console him as a true father. And you also, who so devotedly obey his words, hear likewise my prayers. In the name of him who is infinite, and to whom I am to give human shape in my womb I pray, beseech and supplicate you, that without delay you assist and relieve my most faithful spouse in the affliction of his heart and drive from his mind and heart his resolve of leaving me. The angels which the queen selected for this purpose obeyed immediately and instilled into the heart of Saint Joseph many holy thoughts, persuading him anew that his spouse Mary was holy and most perfect, and that he could not believe anything wrong of her, that God was incomprehensible in his works, and most hidden in his judgments, Psalm 33:19, that he was always most faithful to those who confide in him, and that he would never despise or forsake them in tribulation. 391. By these and other holy inspirations the troubled spirit of Saint Joseph was somewhat quieted, although he did not know from where they came, but as the cause of his sorrow was not removed, he soon relapsed, not finding anything to assure and soothe his soul and he returned to his resolve of withdrawing and leaving his spouse. The heavenly queen was aware of this and she concluded that it was necessary to avert this danger and to insist in earnest prayer on a remedy. She addressed herself entirely to her most holy son in her womb, and with most ardent affection of her soul she prayed, Lord and God of my soul, with your permission, although I am but dust and ashes, Genesis 18:27. I will speak in your kingly presence and manifest to you my sighs that cannot be hidden from you, Psalm 37:10. It is my duty not to be remiss in assisting the spouse whom I have received from your hand. I see him overwhelmed by the tribulation, which you have sent him, and it would not be kind in me to forsake him therein. If I have found grace in your eyes I beseech you, Lord and Eternal God, by the love which obliged you to enter into the womb of your servant for the salvation of mankind, 
to be pleased to console your servant Joseph and dispose him to assist me in the fulfillment of your great works. It would not be well that I, your servant, be left without a husband for a protection and guardian. Do not permit my Lord and God, that he execute his resolve and withdraw from me. 392. The Most High answered her, My dearest dove, I shall presently visit my servant Joseph with consolation, and after I shall have manifested to him by my angel, the sacrament which is unknown to him, you may speak openly about all that I have done with you, without the necessity of keeping silent thenceforward in these matters. I will fill him with my spirit and make him apt to perform his share in these mysteries. He will assist you in him and aid you in all that will happen. With this promise of the Lord, Most Holy Mary was comforted and consoled, and she gave most fervent thanks to the same Lord, who disposes all things in admirable order, measure and weight. For besides the consolation, which the relief from this anxiety afforded her, she also knew well how proper it was that the spirit of St. Joseph be tried and dilated by this tribulation before the great mysteries should be entrusted to his care. 393. In the meanwhile St. Joseph was anxiously debating within himself concerning the proper course of action, for he had borne his tribulation already for two months, and now, overcome by the greatness of it, he argued with himself. I do not find a better way out of these difficulties than to remove myself. I confess that my spouse is most perfect and exhibits nothing but what shows her a saint. But after all she is pregnant and of it I cannot fathom the mystery. I do not wish to injure her reputation of holiness by involving her in the punishment of the law. Yet at the same time I cannot stand by and witness the consequences of her pregnancy. I will leave her now and commit myself to the providence of the Lord who governs me. He then resolved to depart during that night, and in order to prepare for his journey he packed some clothes and other trifles into a small bundle. Having also claimed some wages due to him for his work, he retired to rest with the intention of leaving at midnight. But on account of the strangeness of his undertaking, and because he was in the habit of commending his intentions to God in prayer, after he had come to this resolve, he spoke to the Lord. Highest and eternal God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you the true and only refuge of the poor and afflicted, the grief and tribulation of my heart are well known to your clemency. You know also, O Lord, although I am unworthy, that I am innocent of that which causes my sorrow, and you likewise are aware of the infamy and danger consequent upon the condition of my spouse. I do not believe her an adulteress because I see in her great virtue and perfection. Yet I certainly see her pregnant I do not know by whom or how it was caused. And therefore I find no way to restore my peace. In order to choose the least evil, I will withdraw from her and seek a place where no one knows me and resigning myself to your providence, I will pass my life in a desert. Do not forsake me my Lord and eternal God since I desire solely your honor and service. 394. St. Joseph prostrated himself on the ground and made a vow to go to the temple of Jerusalem and offer up a part of the small sum of money which he had provided for his journey, 
In order that God might help and protect Mary his spouse from the calamities of men and free her from all misfortune, for great was the uprightness of that man of God, and the esteem in which he held the heavenly lady. After this prayer he composed himself for a short sleep with the intention of departing in secret and at midnight from his spouse. During this sleep however happened what I will relate in the next chapter. The great princess of heaven, assured by the divine promise, observed from her retirement all that St. Joseph was preparing to do, for the Almighty showed it to her. And hearing the vow which he made for her welfare, and seeing the small bundle and the poor provision he prepared for his journey, she was filled with tender compassion and prayed anew for him, giving praise and thanks to the Lord for his providence in guiding the actions of men beyond all human power of comprehension. His Majesty so ordained events, that both Most Holy Mary and St. Joseph should be brought to the utmost reach of interior sorrow. For besides the merits of this prolonged martyrdom they would gain the admirable and precious blessing of the divine consolation deserved thereby. Although the great lady persevered in the belief and hope of a seasonable intervention of the Lord, and therefore remained silent in order not to reveal the sacrament concerning the disclosure of which the king had given her no command, yet she was much afflicted by the resolve of St. Joseph to leave her. Because she reflected upon the great inconvenience of being alone, without a companion and a protector, on whom she could rely for consolation and support in the natural order. For she knew well that she could not expect all to proceed according to the supernatural and miraculous. Yet all her sighs could not prevent her from exercising the most exalted virtues with a magnanimous spirit such as patience in bearing her afflictions and the suspicions of St. Joseph and its results. Prudence, in withholding the disclosure of the mystery on account of its greatness. Silence, in signalizing herself as a woman who knew how to refrain from speaking about that which so many human reasons urged her to make known. Forbearance and humility, in silently submitting to the suspicions of St. Joseph. Many other virtues did she exercise in this trouble in a wonderful manner, by which she taught us to hope in the Almighty for our deliverance in the greatest tribulations. The instruction which Mary, the Queen of Heaven, gave me. 395. My daughter, the example of my silence, which you have been writing about, should teach you to use it as a guide in your treatment of the favors and sacraments of the Lord, namely that you keep them concealed within your heart. Although it might at times seem useful to reveal them for the consolation of some soul, you must not act upon this opinion without having first consulted God in prayer, and then your superiors. For these spiritual matters must not be made dependent upon human feeling, which are so much subject to the passions and inclinations of nature. There is always great danger of considering that to be an advantage which is harmful, and a service to God what is injurious. It is not given to eyes of the flesh and blood, 1 Corinthians 2.14, to discern the interior movements, so as to decide which of them are divine and caused by grace, or which are human, engendered by the disorderly affections. 
Although there is great difference between these two kinds of affections and their causes, nevertheless, if the creature is not highly enlightened and dead to its passions, it cannot recognize this difference, nor separate the precious from the vile. Jeremiah 15:19. This danger is greater when some temporal or human motive is mixed up with or underlies our actions, for then our natural self-love is accustomed to creep in and take away discretion and supervision of heavenly and spiritual things, leading on to many sudden and dangerous falls. 396. Let it therefore be to you as a rule always to be followed that you reveal nothing to anyone except to your spiritual guide, unless I command otherwise. Since I have constituted myself your teacher, I will not fail to give you advice and direction in this and in all other things, lest you stray from the path appointed to you by the will of my most holy Son. Yet I admonish you to appreciate highly all the favors and revelations of the Most High. Preserve them with a magnanimous heart, esteem them, give thanks for them, and put them to practice in preference to anything else, especially in preference to anything originating from your own inclinations. The reverential fear of God bound me to silence, having, as was proper, such a high regard for the treasure deposited in me. Notwithstanding the natural feeling of love and obligation toward my master and spouse Saint Joseph, and in disregard of the sorrow and compassion for his afflictions, of which I so desired to free him, I hid the secret of my state in silence, preferring the pleasure of the Lord to all these, and leaving to him the defense of my cause. Learn also from this never to defend yourself against accusations, no matter how innocent you may be. Oblige the Lord to do it by confiding in his love. Charge your reputation to his account, and in the meanwhile overcome by patience and humility, by sweet and kind words, those who have offended you. Above all things I admonish you never to judge evil of any one, even if you see with your own eyes the outward warrants of your judgment, for perfect and sincere charity will teach you to find a prudent evasion and excuse for all faults of your neighbor. God has placed my spouse, Saint Joseph, as a shining example for such a course of action, since no one had more evident proofs of evil, and no one was more discreet in deferring his judgment. For in the law of discreet and holy charity it must be held as prudence, not temerity, to suspect higher causes, as yet unseen, rather than to judge and condemn our neighbors for faults in which his guilt is not clearly evident. I do not give you special instructions for those that are in the state of matrimony, since they can derive them manifestly from the whole course of my life. But from the above instruction all can profit, although just now I have in view your own advancement, because I desire it with a special love. Hear me, daughter, and fulfill my counsels and follow these my words of eternal life.